A woman takes a picture of herself for social media. But this is no ordinary selfie. She is seen in the image holding a very large bloody knife. In the background of the image is the lifeless, crimson-stained body of a man. The woman appears to be very happy as she smiles for the camera. While on the run a few days later, this woman takes a gun and shoots another man in the face. She then callously takes out her cell phone and takes another photo, this time just of her victim. Why was she gleefully killing men and taking pictures of her crimes for social media? Well, come hang out with me while I talk true crime. Welcome back to Hell No, a true crime podcast with your host, Lauren Lucio. I was away for a while, some of you uh, might know that, but now I'm back and you're back and it's a new year, new season, third year of Hell No, and I can't believe it. I can't believe I'm going into my third year. I hope everyone had a safe and relaxing holiday season. Um, I, I'm actually recording this on New Year's Day. And I have in another screen, I have the New York ball drop going. Some of you may have listened last year and I I just love watching it live. I'm on the other side of the world. So it's daytime now. It's New Year's Day here, but it's still New Year's Eve in New York. So I have that in about four or five hours, the ball should be dropping. I did enjoy my holidays but um, I'm ready to get back into the podcast and uh, let's, uh, let's get into this week's case. This case, uh, for obvious reasons, it was dubbed by the media the Selfie Killer. Uh, The Selfie Killer's name is actually 24-year-old Amanda Taylor. And let me tell you, there is something so chilling about this woman. So chilling. It's almost like she's incapable of feeling guilt or remorse and stabbing another person to death brutally, committing this brutal horrific murder it was fun for her and I believe she actually enjoyed doing it and I say that because of an interview she did with multiple news sources and also after viewing parts of her police interrogation but I'm, I'm gonna go more into that later for now we're gonna start at the beginning so this case takes place in Virginia USA in 2015 Taylor is Amanda's surname that she acquired through her late husband, Rex Taylor. By all accounts, it seemed the young couple was very much in love. Many sources pointed out that they both seemed to share a common interest in serial killers. So whether that meant uh, collecting memorabilia or, um, you know, idolizing their crimes, stuff like this, I can't be exactly sure. It just says they they had a common interest in, in serial killers and it seemed like it wasn't in the true crime podcast way. It's more so, they, they were more so idolizing them, not studying them. And a, a close friend to the couple did say in an interview with Crime Watch Daily that Amanda, she could easily influence Rex because he loved her so much. So whether or not he would have had this idolization for serial killers on his own, 
or, you know, how deep his fascination went. I don't know. Uh, was this something that he was into when he, before he had met Amanda or was this something he got into after he met her? Again, I, I don't know. It is possible Amanda was more so into this natural born killers, um, scene more so than Rex, because as far as I know, Rex never hurt anyone. He, he never came close to doing anything Amanda did. And this leads me to believe that perhaps Rex was the one keeping Amanda's violent fantasies from becoming reality. Maybe he was holding her back from, from doing these horrific things that she fantasized about doing. It was known that Amanda had wanted or at least talked about wanting to carry out absolutely terrible things such as um, shootings and going on murder sprees. Just, yeah, she seemed to be really into this. She was, it seemed like she was in a really dark place and it sounds like she was mentally unwell and she desperately needed counseling. Unfortunately, it seems like the mental health resources she had available it just wasn't enough. She did seek mental health help after Rex passed, but she was released just before committing these crimes. I, I guess the mental health professionals saw her as fit to be released and she was released into society. But first I'm going to just, just backtrack a little bit because before she committed these crimes, tragedy struck the Taylor family. Rex, her her husband, he was found to have committed suicide and he was discovered by his mother, which is just so incredibly heartbreaking. I I just have so much sympathy for Rex's mother and his family because that is just that is just something that I couldn't even imagine. It must have just been the hardest thing they would have ever had to had to face. Sometime through the night or early morning, Rex took his own life by hanging himself. His family and friends were devastated beyond words, including his wife, Amanda. Rex was, he was loved by his friends, by his family, by his wife. He just seemed like he was, he was a really good person. So by April 4th of 2015, I believe by this point, it had been over a year since Rex's death and Amanda she was hanging out with 32-year-old Sean Ball. And as far as I know, they had no other relationship aside from being friends. It did sound like Sean did like Amanda and wanted to impress her. Maybe he had more feelings for her uh, than she did for him because it, it didn't sound like she felt the same way towards him at all. Sean, he was known by his, by his friends or, you know, by people in general as just being shy, sounded like he was a quiet guy, kept to himself. But when it came to Amanda, he made up these lies about his past and he told her that he was at one time in the Navy, not just in the Navy, but he said he was in special forces. He was ex-special forces and that he had killed people during his 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 time none of this was true not even a little it was completely fabricated because Sean knew how much Amanda fantasized about murdering and one day becoming a serial killer this was her goal in life Amanda decided the day that she would finally live out her fantasy of becoming a murderer 
was April 4th, 2015 at 327 p.m. And the time she chose, it was not random. She chose that exact time for a reason, which I will talk about soon. On this day, her and Sean, they went into 59-year-old Charlie Taylor's home. Charlie being her father-in-law, her her late husband's father, Rex's father. And she just starts frenzy stabbing him again and again and again with this massive knife. The knife she used was so incredibly large, it was described in many articles that I read as a bayonet style knife. It's a very large knife. At one point, Charlie started to struggle with Amanda. I think he reached up and grabbed her hair. He was reaching for the knife. You know, he was trying to save his own life. And that's when Sean Ball jumped in and hit Charlie in the head very hard, possibly multiple times uh, with a metal object, a a tire iron or, or a crowbar. By the time the attack was over, Charlie had been stabbed 31 times and had been beat in the head with a blunt metal object. Just, you know, I don't even have to say it, but this scene was horrific. Absolutely horrific. The fact she chose to use a knife, this just says this was personal and there was a lot of hate involved. She and Sean, they had guns. They had guns that they had stolen from family members, I guess. And they also had ammunition that they had purchased for these stolen guns. And yet she still chose to use a knife, which is very brutal, very up close and personal. Just, you know, that signifies a lot of hate. Amanda later claims she chose to stab Charlie to death so that he knew exactly who was killing him. And because and this is so terrible, she wanted to watch him die. This was personal and she was angry. Angry enough to stab this man 31 times, watch him die, and then document it and then show people. Amanda said she got really excited. This murder made her feel really good. She describes it to um, a news company called WDBJ7 as feeling pumped up and wanted to jump up and hug Sean, but he wasn't reacting the same way she was. She was excited and giddy where he was remorseful and sick with guilt. Then Amanda takes out her phone and takes this infamous selfie. This picture is chilling. She is smiling. She is happy. She is gleeful. She's holding this huge knife with blood on it. And in the background is the lifeless body of her victim covered in blood face down on the couch. Amanda then uploaded that picture to the internet. That's right. She then posted it to whatever social media platforms she was using. Apparently, she captioned it Brunette Bomber. If that's the name she is trying to give herself for the beginning of her killing spree, if she wants this to be her her serial killer name, it doesn't really make sense because she's stabbing people, not bombing. So I'm not sure what the origin of that name is, but I do have my suspicions because she does admit in an interview with Crime Watch Daily that she reached out to ISIS because she wanted to join ISIS. So maybe that has something to do with it. I'm not sure. Apparently the media made a big deal out of this information. And I mean, yeah, they, they're going to. 
Amanda actively sought out ISIS and wanted to join them. She claimed she never wanted to join to blow things up. But then what's with calling herself Burnett Bomber? I think there is a connection there. She did say this, quote, They acted like I was ready to put on a backpack and go blow something up. No, not yet, unquote. Um, it's the not yet part of that, of, of what she said there that worries me. So Amanda, she posts the highly incriminating and haunting, absolutely haunting selfie, calling herself the, the Burnett Bomber. And in other posts that day, she was quoted uh, writing, everything I did was for the right reason. I stabbed my father-in-law. And if you keep looking for me, more will die. Wow. She, um, I mean, she's really not trying to get away with it. I think we can say that for sure. Amanda wanted this selfie on more than just her social media platforms, though. She contacted a woman she knew who was maybe still is a crime blogger. Um, and at the time, I'm assuming was her friend. Otherwise, I don't know why she's she's contacting this woman. And she asked this crime blogger who who remains anonymous in the news sources um, to post this image on her, her crime blog. When the blogger was sent the photo in the context, she did not post it. No, she, um, she called police and she must have also sent them the image. This is how Charlie's murder was discovered and solved so promptly. Police literally had an image of the crime scene with the murderer smiling in the image with a big bloody knife. Not only that, but they knew exactly who it was in the photo. She didn't let Amanda know that she was communicating with police about this. That way she could keep getting more information from her and aid police in catching her. While all this posting was going on, Amanda and Sean, they fled the scene of the murder. Then Amanda makes another post while in the vehicle that they're in driving away. And this one is a picture of a handgun. She must have been sitting down uh, wearing a short skirt or shorts because the gun is resting in her half-exposed thighs, um, like on, on her lap. And she captions this post, All right, it's about that time. I'm going to go find my husband in hell and finally be at peace. Not really sure what she meant by this caption uh, and the image as it would highly suggest ending her own life. But Amanda, she doesn't do that. Did she mean she was going to go shoot a bunch of people and then herself or or die by suicide by cop? Um, I'm not really sure because she does try to kill more people. She doesn't try that same day. Instead, the next day, she comes up with a plan to lure two women over to her vehicle where Sean would be waiting with a gun to shoot and rob the women. This was Amanda's way of getting more cash and, I guess, killing more people. This is what she wanted to do. She wanted, it seemed like she wanted to kill as many people as possible. But Sean, he didn't want to murder. He didn't want to kill. He, he didn't want to, after... After that incident with Charlie when they went into his house and he was brutally murdered and Sean was a part of that, he was disgusted. He didn't, you know, I think they had talked about it, but when he actually saw it and was a part of it and Amanda had played out her fantasy in front of him, it, it made him sick. Uh, he seemed to actually have a conscience. And he told Amanda that, quote, I can't disappoint my mom anymore, unquote. 
To me, those are not the words of a cold-blooded maniac. Those are the words of somebody caught up doing the wrong thing with the wrong people. He even talked to Amanda about her plans to go on this killing spree she wanted to go on. And he tried to even push her in another direction and put the idea out there of, of just being on the run. He's like, why do we have to kill people? Let's just be on the run. You know, I think she... I, you know, I would just assume that she idolized that movie Natural Born Killer. So maybe he was like, hey, they were on the run. We can just go on the run too. But I guess for Amanda, that wasn't thrilling enough. She wanted to commit a killing spree. So Amanda sees these two women at a rest stop. And I'm not sure how she got them to follow her to the vehicle that she had, that her and Sean had. But somehow she did. Apparently, she met these two women at a rest stop. They were on spring break. They were traveling around um, these southern states. Amanda met them. They started talking. And that's when Amanda came up with this plan and went and told Sean, hey, I'm going to lure these women over. They're kind of just cruising around. They don't really know where they're going. I think I can get them over to the vehicle. I will say that she does seem very harmless in the way of how she talks and looks. So with the right excuse, it would have been easy for her to get someone to trust her, which is just really scary because she doesn't ever seem nervous. She doesn't ever seem anxious. She doesn't ever seem like what she's doing is wrong. She seems very carefree and happy and, and, and giddy, which is just terrifying. She really is very unsuspecting. And if you Google her police interrogation or the images I'm talking about, you will see what I mean. When Amanda gets to the vehicle with the two women, Sean doesn't shoot them. No, he won't do it. And this makes Amanda angry. I don't know the exact details of what this situation looked like. I would like to hear an interview with these two women that Amanda lured over and then thankfully got away because uh, were they just standing there while Amanda was telling Sean to shoot them and then they started to, to run away? Or I'm not sure how that played out, but it would have been so terrifying for those two women. With Sean not wanting to follow through with Amanda's plan, Amanda gets really angry and they start to fight. Amanda and Sean leave that rest stop and they go they go down the road. They go to another rest stop somewhere along the way. During this drive, Sean had fallen asleep, I guess. I did read in a news article that Sean said that he had taken a bunch of pills in an attempt to overdose at that time. So I'm not really sure what his conscious state was, but Amanda decides to stop the vehicle. Sean, he is in the vehicle with his eyes closed and suddenly he is jolted awake by the sound of a gun firing. When he opens his eyes, he sees that Amanda had just fired the gun. She said she tried to shoot a jogger, a jogger, someone jogging down the road. She pointed a gun and said she shot it at the jogger. But as far as I know, no one ever came forward as this jogger who was shot at. So police believe she shot the gun just to wake up Sean, just to startle him awake. Sean and Amanda, they start to fight again and they are now both out of the vehicle. Amanda points the gun at Sean and shoots him in the face in the face, and he falls to the ground, presumably dead. Later in an interview from prison, she claimed she wasn't trying to, quote, kill him, kill him, unquote. Yeah, in her interview, she's like, I wasn't trying to kill him, kill him. Amanda does blame Sean for ruining her plans, claiming that he ruined so much for her. 
by this, I think she means her killing spree, which it's like, good. Good. I'm I'm glad he, he ruined that for you. I'm glad someone was there to ruin that plan. I'm glad that Sean had a conscience and, and wouldn't help her carry out this horrific fantasy she had. But, and this is a big but, right before she shot Sean, she said this to him. I want you to know before you die that I used you for your guns in your car and I hope you die. Yeah, that's what she said to him. Then shoots him in the face. I'd say that sounds like she was trying to kill him, kill him. After shooting Sean, she then takes out her cell phone and takes a picture of him. Later, when police ask her why she took a picture of Sean after she shot him, she says that she wanted to see where she shot him and that it was easier to look at a picture than at him. She didn't know if his face would be badly mangled. She wasn't quite sure where where she shot him. And I guess she wanted to see without looking. This to me doesn't make sense. And I feel like maybe she took that picture to add to her collection of pictures of people she murdered or to make sure he was dead. I mean, only she knows why she took that picture. I'd also really like to know why she has no problem at all shooting somebody in the face, but yet she can't look at what she's done. What is the what is the psychological aspect behind that? It's almost like she actually might feel bad for what she's done. That's why she can't look at what she's done because she will feel something and she knows that, but at the same time she wants to look and looking at what she's done through an image is less confronting than looking at it right in front of her. It turns out though, Sean, he doesn't die from that gunshot. The bullet ended up going through his jaw. Amanda, she thought that he was dead, but he was just unconscious. Sean said that he took a bunch of pills to try to overdose, and the next thing he remembers is waking up after being shot in the face. After shooting Sean and believing he is dead, she leaves his body on the ground and drives away. She also calls her crime blogger friend. I'm not sure how long it was after she shot Sean that she was arrested, but apparently she had enough time to buy multiple burner phones to keep in contact with this uh, crime blogger. Apparently she was buying burner phones, calling this girl, throwing away the phone, getting another burner phone and calling her. So the amount of time in between this, I'm unsure. Why Amanda was using burner phones, I, I have no clue. She seems completely unhinged at this point. I mean, what would be the, the point of those burner phones when she was, I'm assuming, uh, probably telling the crime blogger her location and what she was doing. Thanks to the help of the blogger, Amanda was found driving around by police and arrested. She didn't go with dignity though. Oh no. She screamed and yelled and cried as police dragged her out of the window of her vehicle. There was nothing gracious about her arrest. Later she complains that police didn't let her, didn't let her get her seatbelt off or put the vehicle in park. Yeah, no shit. They knew she was on a killing spree. They knew she had a loaded gun. Do you really think they're going to to let her put her hands down at all to put the vehicle in park to get her seatbelt off? No, they're going to drag her out as quickly and as swiftly and as brutally as they need to 
so their own lives aren't at risk. Apparently, Amanda had told her blogger friend on the phone that she was going to, quote, go down shooting. And the crime blogger told her, if you don't cooperate, you're not going to go home. You know what I mean? I guess Amanda did know what she meant because she didn't shoot at police. If she had, that would have inevitably led to Amanda being killed by police with absolutely no doubt in my mind. Amanda gets arrested and they take her to jail for processing. This, of course, includes a mugshot. I have seen a few mugshots in my day, but this one was so weird. Feel free to Google Amanda Taylor mugshot. If an image of a brown-haired girl with a chest tattoo and a huge smile, looking very happy and pleased with herself, pops up on your screen, then you know you've got the right picture. I find it so creepy how she stabbed a man to death 31 times with a huge knife, uh, then shot her so-called friend, Sean, in the face, and still believing he is dead takes you know takes taking pictures of all of this can be seen smiling away in her mugshot the image it reminds me of like a grade 12 yearbook photo like a graduation picture or something she's looking happy she's looking pleased with herself there's almost a sense of accomplishment behind her smile after her mugshot slash yearbook photo is taken, she then is interrogated by two detectives. She was read her rights, but she didn't give a shit because she does not remain silent. She tells all. She doesn't hold back. She she doesn't care. She, she'll tell them everything. She is so chill and casual when she is talking about her crimes. And I'm not sure if she was on anything like Xanax or... If she is just naturally that calm and anxiety free and just really doesn't give a shit about human life because it is disgusting how she talks about it. She talks about how she, quote, just started stabbing him, referring to Charlie Taylor, her, her stepfather. She even makes a weak stabbing motion with her hand, like with a limp wrist. She's like, yeah, and then I just like started stabbing him. And she's just has this like limp wrist making the stabbing motion. She tells police the knife was a gift from Sean to her for her birthday, which if she means her most recent birthday, that was only a week before on March 27th. She also tells police that the exact time she chose to murder Charlie was on purpose because 327 represents her and Rex's birthday. Apparently they, they shared the same birthday, which is March 27th or 327. Uh, she said it was their thing. Her and Rex's thing was 327. Mind you, this entire time, she's kind of slurring her words. And this makes me think, but not confirmed, that she is on a high dose of some kind of anti-anxiety pharmaceutical because she is just so calm. She's slurring her words a little. But mind you, once she goes into prison, she is still very calm about talking about her crime. So I'm not sure. The way she's talking to police about this, it's it's like she might as well be talking about what she had for dinner. She There's like zero emotion, zero remorse. It's just so haunting how calm and happy and just chilled out like she's at a bar talking to her friends over over fucking cocktails or something. Maybe it was her and Rex's shared recent birthday spent without Rex that motivated her to kill Charlie. I did read that 
on her and Rex's birthday, Amanda had a breakdown when she went to visit Rex's grave. And this breakdown landed her in a mental health facility. So this, it must have been very serious. She was there for five days given temporary medication, whatever that means. I, I, I'm not sure. It just said given temporary medication. Um, so possibly maybe that was anxiety medication or perhaps antidepressants. I don't know. She was then released from the hospital as the doctors saw her fit to leave, even though I believe she did want to stay. A couple days later, she murdered Charlie Taylor. Amanda believed along with others that Charlie in no way helped Rex's opioid addiction but actually caused it by giving Rex access to the drug which she believes led to his suicide. Amanda blamed Charlie Taylor for her husband's death and she was really really angry about it. That day when facing Charlie Amanda claims he started to talk about Rex and that's when she started stabbing him aiming for his chest and neck area. She was aiming to kill there was absolutely no doubt about that and she doesn't even hide that from police. Police ask her where were you aiming to stab him and she brings her hand up to where the chest meets the neck and she was like oh in the chest area. Sean Ball jumped in and hit Charlie with the crowbar at some point during the struggle, which of course would have not helped the situation. Um, So he is very much a part of that murder. Amanda said she hardly had any blood on her at all. And she thinks that's because the knife was so large that she was stabbing. And she just said the way the knife was coming out, she didn't get any blood on her. And honestly, I was very surprised to hear that because the walls and the couch, they were soaked in blood. Yet she's saying she hardly got any on her. She said she got one spot on her and she sprayed it with Febreze. Police then move on to asking her about shooting Sean. And up until this point, she believed that she had killed Sean. She thought that he was dead. And it wasn't until this interrogation that she learned she hadn't killed him. And it's almost like this news didn't even really affect her. She didn't even care. She keeps talking casually about how she shot at him. And she says... I thought I shot him in the face. I thought he was dead. And so he fell to the ground and I took a picture of him, of his face, because I didn't want to look at his face. That's what she tells police. After talking about Sean, they move the conversation to what could possibly happen to her legally from committing these crimes. The detective explained to her that capital murder could get her life in prison or the death penalty. And with no emotion at all, I've never seen this before, she says, quote, do I get to choose? I'd rather just do the death penalty. I mean, I killed people. I deserve to die too, unquote. She also says, it's better if I just go. That would be best for my children if I just get the death penalty and go. She does add in some weird, almost nervous, awkward giggles in between, which is the most amount of emotion you hear and see from her. And I found that very odd that she's talking about getting the death penalty and she's nervously giggling in between. It's very strange. I'm not sure what happened in between her wanting the death penalty and the trial because she ends up pleading not guilty, which could be her, I mean, 
shooting for the death penalty or it could be her taking her lawyer's advice pleading not guilty um police do think that possibly she wanted to go to trial because she you know she wanted this to be seen she wanted people to talk about it this is what she wanted amanda's case does go to trial and it doesn't take long before a verdict is reached. The judge and the jury quickly find her guilty and she is sentenced to life in prison. And this life means life. She will never be released. She will never get out of prison. So she did not get the death penalty like she wanted. But what happened to Sean Ball, her accomplice? Well, he takes a plea deal. He actually feels very remorseful and guilty for what he took part in. And he pleads guilty to first degree murder and receives a 60 year sentence in prison, suspended after 41 years served, followed by 10 years probation. Crime Watch Daily interviews Sean Ball from prison and he says he has to live with the guilt every day and that he is remorseful. However, Amanda's interview is a lot different. Amanda said she wanted Charlie Taylor to feel the pain that she felt over Rex's death because remember, she blamed Charlie uh, for Rex committing suicide. What's most chilling is that she then describes how killing Charlie made her feel. She describes it as feeling alive and getting out all the hate and anger she had inside of her and that it made her very happy. She explains it was like, quote, her first roller coaster ride, unquote. She says that stabbing Charlie 31 times gave her a sense of freedom. The way she describes it, it it sounds like it was very exciting and fun for her. She actually does say uh, she took the selfie of her holding the bloody knife with her victim dead in the background because the moment made her really happy and she was excited and wanted to show people. That's why she took it and that's why she posted it on social media. I believe had Amanda not been stopped, she was more than capable of killing more people. When being interviewed by WDBJ7, they asked her basically if she thought she was evil. And Amanda said, no, she's not. But the reason she gives is almost laughable. She claims to not be evil because she wasn't killing random people. She killed somebody who deserved it. Hmm. Let's just look at that for a moment. Is she being serious right now? Because what about the two random girls she wanted to kill and rob? Uh, What about that jogger she said she shot at? I mean, what about the killing spree she wanted to go on? What about this fantasy of being a serial killer? I mean, unbeknownst to herself, I guess, by her own definition, she is evil. I, 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 I just couldn't believe it when I read that. I was like, is she can she not see what she's saying and what she's done and we know what she's done and what she's saying is contradicting like what is happening here she was also quoted in the same interview saying this quote I know it's not right to go around killing people but you know that was something I chose to do to feel better for myself so I can't feel bad about it I feel bad about how it affected my family but I don't look at it as wrong no unquote That's right, she doesn't see what she did as wrong or have guilt over it because it made her feel better. And that's what is most terrifying about this. She has no remorse. She feels no guilt. 
she just has no value for human life and she is just extremely self-centered to the point she will murder people and because for some reason that made her feel better, then that makes it right in her mind. Absolutely terrifying. That concludes this week's episode. Uh, I have been taking a bit of a break on the podcast social media platforms, but we are back. So if you want to follow Hell No True Crime Podcast, you can find us on TikTok and Instagram. If you are listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please remember to rate and follow. After talking about such a horrifying case, it it it, it is quite uh, strange feeling to switch gears to wish you all a happy new year, but I hope you all had a happy and safe new year. And here's to 2024. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Mm-hmm.